Hello and welcome to Show Love. I'm Bronwyn Murphy. When I first started this podcast, I had no idea where it would take me. And it's lovely that a year later, I'm still really enjoying doing it, meeting people and hearing their stories of courage, strength, connection and love. Wherever you're listening to this right now and have your own things going on, it's important for us all to remember that whilst we're waiting for the storm to pass, which it will, we must learn to dance in the rain. Somebody who always seems to see the positive when at times they must have been surrounded by a lot of negative is Sue Hill. She has met and is friends with so many people. I don't know how she remembers them all or all the wonderful stories she tells. And I adore her view that 99% of people are wonderful and lovely. This is someone with a fantastic strength of character. So I'm joined by Sue Hill, former Detective Chief Superintendent. That's a bloody mouthful. I don't know it how you... It is a mouthful. GCS you is that? a lot easier. Oh, is that what you said? GCS. Um, she uh, used to be the Senior Detective at the Met Police, yeah. which is the Metropolitan Police Service. I know about this, but I looked it up for the people that aren't familiar. You worked in it for over 30 years, so the, you know what this is. But uh, it's the police force responsible for law enforcement in Greater London. Um, has about 30,000 full-time employees. Uh, Scotland Yard is the headquarters and the national responsibilities are coordinating and leading on national counter-terrorism matters, protecting the royal family and certain members of government. This is bond shit and you lived it. Tell us more. In 1981, I left Wiltshire because Stadbury came up to the Met and I stood, I love the royal family. Yeah, I love the royal family. family. I love the Queen. Yeah. And I stood facing the crowd in 1981, July 81, when Diane was marrying Charles, stood facing the crowd, a little WPC, and I thought, you know what? One day, I'm not going to face the crowd. I can actually watch what's going on. So on my last working day in the Met, I had the privilege. Simon Evans was kind of in charge at the Abbey, and he was my number two at Westminster. So I was prancing about all along, the, you know, down the mall and seeing everyone in Whitehall, my full uniform, telling everyone it's my last day in the Met, working today, I'm retiring after 33 and a half years. And then I stood out, and if you ever watch any of the news bulletins, I'm stood by the gate, and then the footmen are there, they're all dressed up, but really they're all protection officers, and they're telling me who's getting off the coach and who's arriving, and William and Harry arrived, I thought I'd you know, wet my pants, I was so excited. <laughs> then the Queen arrived, and afterwards, when they left, as the Queen comes round the corner, I'm stood there, and I salute her, I'm a quibbling wreck, and she must have looked at me and thought, what is wrong with you, woman? Why are you crying? <laughs> it's it was, an emotional day oh, for you, so though. emotional. I yeah. thought, if only my little mum, oh. you know, from where I came from, yeah. to think, I'm stood here, and I'm saluting the Queen, yeah. our Queen, and it's my last working day in the Met, and what a way to finish. And that afternoon, uh, I left there, and my husband met me, and I remember, I'm getting kind of choked no, up, like Charing Cross. Yeah. And I locked my office and said goodbye. And the funny thing is, my office was actually designated for royalty when they come to Charing Cross because I had a toilet. And I was very precious about that toilet. And some of my boys sometimes, I know, and if they're ever listening to this, I know they use that toilet. I love my boys. My boys. All the boys underneath My boys. The girls wouldn't have done that because they knew that was a royal toilet. But that was in Charing Cross. Anyway, so when I locked my office that day and I walked out for the last time and Julian met me at the gate, and my lovely husband of seven years nearly, and he took me off 
I proposed that afternoon. So not only was I been at the royal wedding, I married the love of my life, and I left the police service that I adored. Oh, All did, in one day. Did you have any idea he was going to propose to you? No, oh not at God. all. We kind of we both it's second time round, and it was kind of it hadn't been talked about. It really wasn't on my radar. No. You know, I had a lot going on, retiring yeah. from the police. And, you know, it's my last working day, so he floored me. And so I was, Julian uh, we're going to talk about later. Julian later. Because I want to talk about the badass that you were at the Netflix. <laughs> I'm going to bring this closer. Um, so uh, you said 33 years you were in the yeah. uh, Met Police. Uh, as, as quite high up, you were like yeah. the queen, as they uh, <laughs> as they called you. Um, and I've seen, uh, I mean, like I, I've known you for quite a while, and you're the kindest, most fun person. <laughs> I can't imagine that Sue Hill like telling people off and and Ooh. being the one. That, but there's a there's a there's a hard ass in there, isn't there? Well, I think probably you know when you're at work. The people who got to know me, it's funny, many people over the years, once they'd worked with me once, yeah. they would always want to come back yeah, and work with me again because I would pursue them with vigour. You're very caring. That's yeah, like, but not only that, I just think because I, I think I'm quite approachable. Yeah. And I also know when people make mistakes, mm. I know what it feels like years ago when I made a mistake, you want to beat yourself up. When someone else then beats up on you, you just feel, you know, crap. So mm. I kind of always knew when someone made a mistake, you take to one side and say... You know, don't worry, no one's dead, we'll yeah. get through it. But the one thing I couldn't stomach is sick notes, people who oh, yeah. were always sick. Yeah. And everyone, I'm sure, who worked with me closely would always say, don't go sick, I remember ringing a bloke up one day when I was at Kingston, and just he'd gone sick with a twisted ankle or something. So I, he's gone sick again! Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong, if someone's been injured on no, duty, it's serious, they've got serious problems. I am the most compassionate, people will tell you. I do anything for anyone, genuine cases. So I ring this guy's wife up, and she says, well, he's in the shower. I said, well, if he can go in the shower one leg and he can come to work. <laughs> but, you know, although I think people who've worked with me would say she's really fair. In fact, right now, I've just had a text message from a guy that used to work for me years ago. He's now a sergeant. And my daughter's moving into a flat. And lovely Chris, who's an amazing man, is doing her painting and decorating. Oh. So I couldn't have been all that bad. Oh, yeah. Two of the boys no. working on her flat used to work for me. Every so. time I see you, you're talking about a million different people that you know. You've got a massive friendship yeah. group. So, you yeah, know, I love yeah. them all, though. Yeah. They all are great people. And just, yeah, I need to make more time for them. So 33 years ago, when you just started, you, you um, came from Swindon, is that right? Swindon, Wiltshire. With the magic roundabout. I'm yeah. familiar. My sister lives in Swindon. Because you uh, know my so. sister and my brother are in the police as well. Oh, right. No, I didn't Yeah, know. my sister was a chief inspector, and she's more fun than me. Now, have I told you a story when I went to number 10? No, tell me. Tell oh me. Tell me on the podcast. Right, my sister, who's the chief inspector, got this award and she's a brilliant cop. She was a uniform officer. Is she brother. older than you then? No, younger. younger one year younger. Yeah. She looks a lot older. She's <laughs> listening to this. But a lot of people know her in Swindon because she was in the town centre, really feisty. So we got the same kind of traits, really. I think people really wanted to work for her because she'd be out there beating people if, you know, they're acting with badly. With a Well, she would be out there amongst it. Yeah. You know, when you're in uniform, you're in a city centre or a town centre and people are fighting, you have to get your hands dirty. And she was one of those people, brilliant netball player as well. And I'm really proud of her. Anyway, she got this award, she was going to number 10 to get to meet Gordon Brown. I've got a picture, actually, so I can show it to you. Yeah. Anyway, she's going to meet Gordon Brown, so she comes up to my office at Westminster, gets dressed, gets changed. And I think, I can't believe she's going to number 10. My little mum was lying in her care home, and I thought, you know, if Mandy's going to meet Gordon Brown, my mother, back in the day, was always a Labour voter. Yeah. And I thought, she's going to meet the Prime Minister 
And I need to get a picture of her with the Prime Minister to put on my mum's bedside oh. so everyone knows to look after our little mum. Yeah. Anyway, so what happened? We have a glass of wine in my office. And she says to me, I can't drink. I, you know, no, you're not on duty. You're going to number 10 for this award. So then I thought, if she's going, I'm going too. Mm-hmm. So off she went with her PC, lovely, lovely man. I can't remember his name, lovely guy. Off they went. And I went down there and I told one of the guys who worked at number 10 that I really want to see my sister. So I go and sign in. I've got all, I'm fully regalia, uniform on. So I so sign that's in. the power you had, right? You could just like literally go, oh, I just want to go in there and see my sister. Well, no, it wasn't quite like that. Really? Actually, yeah, she says could, that. But... No, no, it wasn't quite like that. You had to book in. But I did lag a little bit <laughs> when I got to number 10 because I was in full uniform. I had my warrant card and I had this invitation in my hand. And obviously I knew what the presentation was about. And I kind of bulldozed my... I'll be back in a minute. I'm just meeting the MP from Swindon. I'll be back. Oh, hi, Mum. How are you? Back in a moment. Wait a moment. And walked in. And I snuggled up to Gordon Brown. I swear I had no invitation. My sister would tell you. And I got a picture. In the picture was Sarah and Gordon Brown with my sister in full uniform. And I said, this is one for my mum's bedside. Oh. But do you know what we do? What did he say to that? Was he, oh, oh, I said, I've gate crashed. I've gate crashed. <laughs> he was lovely. I bet he was just He couldn't believe me and my sister together. And I just felt, you know, Proud. from quite humble beginnings. Yeah. My little mum... Oh, if only she had dementia and if only she could have seen mm. her two babies stood at number 10 with the Prime really Minister. That's but, brilliant. But in many ways, I wonder whether that backfired because we put that picture right next to my mum's bedside in the care home. And I think they looked after her so lo- so well <laughs> because she stayed along and lingered forever. And she used to always say to us, she used to go, don't leave me lingering in one of them homes. And we think, oh, my God. It's Gordon Brown's fault. Gordon Brown's fault. It's Gordon Brown's fault. But it is funny when you look back and I think, oh, my little mum. So my what, what made you so want proud. to be um, uh, a police woman? Uh, to be honest, um, probably my brother, he was in the police. And I hated school. I hated school. And I just wanted to work with people. I love people. Yeah. Good you want to help people. I yeah, think, and really. help people. Yeah. I suppose someone always said I'm a bit mad, and mm. I think that mad sounds for making a difference. Oh, I love like that. And I really do care yeah. about people. And I've met some fantastic people. Even some of the bad guys I've met aren't all bad. Well, you were talking about it very positively. And I was going to say that you, so you served on, as you've said, yeah. the drug squad, yeah. which is obviously... Dealing with drug dealers and yeah, suppliers. And yeah, yeah. Scary, right? No, not really. No, no. You're so no. you're so rock hard. You are. No, I'm not. Um, the crime squad, which is organised yeah, crime, again, yeah. not not massively mm. unscary people. But do you know what? Of everything, wherever I've been, whether it be the murder command, you know, doing yeah, the, rape. the murder command, which I mean, that's got murder in the title. That's but I to... would say the most challenging, the most challenging time was running child protection teams, dealing with kids, right? Dealing with our most vulnerable children, most vulnerable people. That, to me, was the biggest challenge. And a friend of mine, Kevin Desmond, who came off the flying squad to come and work with me, went on the child protection team as a DI. And once he went there, he was, you know, we just had murder after murder of children or child deaths. And it's harrowing. I mean, that, to me, I dealt with one day I went to a post-mortem, which we thought was on a traveller baby. That baby died of natural causes. And yet two other children were in there at the same time. And I did three post-mortems back-to-back and nobody back in the day said, how do you feel about that? Yeah. And it was only recently when I was giving a talk to crews, um, you know, bereavement people who deal with, you know, the counsellors. I was talking about different things that made mistakes that I've made dealing with 
you know, people are grieving and understanding the different forms of death that you deal with and how some people just get hysterical, some people don't believe it, they're in denial. But talking to these people at Cruise, and I talked about how these three babies in a po- three post-mortems back-to-back that I was there, and one of them came back to me after and said, have you had any help with that? I said, no, I've had no help with it. You know, they're not, you know, it's fine. <gasps> oh, my dear, if you ever want to talk to someone. Yeah. But nowadays... But did you talk to anyone? No. No, why um, would I? Well, I, mean, I, I just got on with it. You know, yeah, we're very any... much a get on with it yeah, hard. But, like, but, I, I'm strong. I'm no, but I, yeah, but I am strong, but I'm equally emotional. Just talking about yeah, my mum and talking about my sister yeah. and, you know, those proud moments. I am not a hard person. So how do person. you distinguish between being that hard person and then being so gooey and I do think like... since I've left police, I think I've probably become much more mellow. Right. Because you kind of are, you pull it together, very professional. and But I, I think... You, there's two sides and also is when you're dealing with you know people have been murdered or you're meeting the families it's not your family you're dealing with you know we walk away police officers yeah. walk away and that family has to carry on and that trauma stays with them they relive that on a daily basis whereas I always felt you detach yourself slightly but to be a good police officer of course you have to have that emotional engagement yeah. You, because you want to get the best out of people. Like when you're interviewing someone, you want them to like you. You want to get them to talk to you. Um, and, you know, I've been to, there was a, a young girl that died. I'll never forget it. And it was um, when, about the time Millie Downer had gone missing. Mm-hmm. And I was at Twickenham. And we got a phone call. And I used to have a radio in my office. Not that I'm very good on it, but everyone knew I had a radio. So if they didn't take a call, they'd know I'd be listening. Why aren't you taking that call? Yeah. And there was a call and there was a little girl um that had been found in the, the um, graveyard across the road. And so I went out, ran out. I was near. And when I got there, there was a police officer. Just ran out, no fear. No, just... because this little girl was uh, unconscious. They right. found someone. And where I was thinking at the time, God, is this Millie Dowler? You know, who is this child lying in this bloody graveyard? But a friend was with her. What had happened? She'd sniffed an aerosol can. Oh. And she had died. She was at the scene and the officer was working on her and I was there. Anyway, we got her in the ambulance, got her mum and dad to the hospital. I'll never forget West Middlesex Hospital. Mum and dad arrived and I walked out and the mum, uh, and I won't mention the names because mm. it wouldn't be fair, mm. um, but when I walked out, the mum looked at me and she knew, she knew her daughter, 15-year-old daughter, was dead by my face. Yeah. She absolutely knew she was dead. And I just said to her, I did everything I could. Oh. I did everything. I did everything. We did everything we could to save your daughter's life. And, you know, the sad, and I stayed in their lives because they came to Ellie's um, communion party and they met other people there and they talked about the strength and I read a poem at her funeral. Now, you know, I still, I still remember them, you know. But having a, a daughter and a son yeah. and dealing with things like that, oh. how, how, did you, how do you not live in fear? Like, how do you rise above that, knowing the dark side of seeing what you see every day? But, you know, it's funny. I, I just did a, um, a re-kind of creation of, I don't know if you've ever heard about the people that fall out of the sky from the aircraft and no, there's going to be a documentary called. You're going to open my eyes about things like that. <laughs> no, but there's so many things that when you connect with families and how you keep it. If that was my son, if that was my daughter, yeah. what I want to do. And this this young guy came to see me. He was at university. He's going to be a filmmaker, and I hope one day if he gets an Oscar, remember me. But anyway, <laughs> I did it for love with him because he came to see me, interview this young boy. Fell out the sky. Is that what you do with love for me? For love, with love for you. Always love, keep the love. It's all about the love. So love, so love. Uh, Yeah, and what goes around comes around. Anyway, this young man fell out the sky. It was at Home Base Car Park near Richmond. 
he'd left Pakistan, had a number of siblings in Pakistan on a farm, wanted a new life, wanted a better life, really wanted to come here to work. And he fell out of the sky. What, just out of an aeroplane? Out of an aeroplane. He stowed away in the wheel of the oh, aircraft. No. And it's going to be coming out. This young uh, university student made the film and they've been commissioned now to do more work around it. But I remember that boy. I'd left my kids that day at school, got the phone call, left the children at school and went to that car park. Now, I'm sure in the back of my head somewhere, it'd be thinking, if that was my son, I want to know where he is. And obviously, they thought originally he might have fallen over. Well, you know, with a, you've seen a lot of, sadly, a lot of dead bodies and you can mm. make an assessment. Have that, you seen a lot of dead bodies? Oh, too many to think oh, about. I can't too many. Even imagine. I, don't, I think I've seen one. I've seen hundreds. It, yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. We're no. all going the same way in the end. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I know. But, but the one thing I would suggest to any woman, the one thing I say to all my girlfriends, is when I'm on that slab, make sure I'm wearing matching underwear. <laughs> I don't care if they talk about. And that's what it is. Don't care. You've got humour. I don't care. Like they you talk... bring the fucking my humour to this. I, love I don't it. care if they're talking about my belly as long as I'm wearing flash underwear. What colour? What colour do you red. want? Red. I think red or black. Red or black. <laughs> I told Ellie, make sure, right? Make sure that happened. <laughs> but this, so at the scene of this, you know, this terrible scene where everyone thought, oh, you know, he's been murdered. But immediately, you know, there are parts of his body that are on someone's car. It was a horrendous oh. scene. It's horrendous. But there was a lovely policeman uh, who was there with me. And I can't, you know, this sounds terrible. I can't remember his name. <laughs> right. I can see met a lot of policemen. I know, I know, I can't. But he did so much work because... This poor young man, um, his body, we couldn't identify his body, but he had a number of phone numbers. So he worked tirelessly to find us. We need to find the family. And this filmmaker, and I've just been interviewed for it before Christmas, has found the family. And they wanted to thank me for, because BA, I went on to BA and said, please, can we get this boy home? They, they've got pots of what's yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they repatriated the body. We got his body home and his parents, the filmmaker has followed it, and his parents yeah, now yeah. have got their, that boy. They've got their boy back to bury him at home. Now, to me, if you don't care that much, that could be your son. Yeah. Be your what's his crime? I'll tell you what he did. He, he left. Wanted a better life. He wanted yeah. a better life, mm. and his family. They feel that they've got him back and they've got closure. Now, to me, when I was talking about that the other day to a filmmaker, and it it just kind of resonated with me. Yeah, you know what? always thought of your children, and that's well, what and you... not only that, but. You know, we would all want somebody for our loved one to care. Yeah. How much did it take a few phone calls? Yeah. How much did it take to ring someone at BA? So, you know, but there's people they were wonderful. tirelessly helping people in the police. But cops, oh, oh yeah. my God, you have no idea the mm. compassion. They are unsung heroes. You only hear the bad bits. Yeah. You never hear of every day, you know, policemen when they're on, off duty popping around and they'll, they'll know an old lady that's been on her own or been robbed or yeah. the whip rounds that they do or... What they go that extra mile for, and they care. The only things you hear that make the headlines are all the bad things. It's always the negative. Stuff it's always the negative, yeah. bad stories. Yeah. You think, you know, so much good is done every day. And remember, some of these cops earn twenty-two thousand pound a year. Yeah, you know, they're not on big money here. No, they put their yeah. lives on risk every yeah. day, and it really. I've just got me. into the um, program, Luther. Right. And he is very much as I imagine you'd be like no. out there. No, <laughs> don't don't break the no. I, lo- I love the no, I, I, I was like, you're like the boss that was telling yeah, yeah. what to do in the office, yeah. right? But I, I do think the Luther is a bit, yeah. He breaks the rules. He breaks a, bit, a lot yeah. of the rules, but he cares. I'd say maybe bending, yeah, being flexible. You must have taken so many risks as well over over the years, right? Oh, there is one particular case. Yeah, <laughs> I love this. You have many oh, stories. I want to hear. My detective sergeant. Oh, my God, who was a great guy, hardworking, bit flamboyant back in the day. Um, so when I say about taking a risk or bending the rules, we're going to an address 
we want to arrest someone, really, we should have had backup. And he says, no, it'd be all right. We'll be all right. Sue's just me and you. So we get to the address and we go in there and this bloke, he's got a great big hatchet in his hand. And I'm thinking, and then Steve continues to be a bit gobby with him. I'm thinking, (laughs) are you kidding kidding me? I would have called him Sue and kissed his feet. (laughs) Okay. I'm thinking, let's back off. Just back off, Steve. Let's back off. Anyway, Steve now wants to stand there and, you know, as a bit of an argument with this bloke, and this bloke picks us up, well, I'm out. I thought, do you know what? It wants it. I'd rather be judged by 12 and carried out by six. Yeah, yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm going to get out of here. But so there are times when, when I say about breaking the rules, not the law, never yeah, break the law. No. It's never how, break the never law. Never break the law. No, no. It's how you interpret yeah. bits of legislation. Do I right also thing. think there are many times when cops have done the right thing for the right reason. Mm. And they get criticised for it. What I'm saying is sometimes I'd have looked at thought, what would the average person do in this situation? And if I haven't got exactly what I need right now, am I doing it to save life and limb? And if I'm doing it for all the right reasons, because policing can be quite complex. Yeah. It's not black and white. No. Some scenarios are never black and white. You know, it's not an exact science. But you have to. If you've got, you know, a lot of experience and you've got that wisdom to think, I think if we do it this way, then we might get a result. Then my, I would say to my troops, if you do everything, I will back you up as long as you do it for the right reason yeah. and you're not, you know, breaking the law. I will back you up. Have you ever been hurt? In- oh God, yeah. yeah. What have you had? Oh, I bottles over my head. Um, oh God, I've been punched. Oh God, I've bitten by a prisoner who bit me there on my arm, which was the worst pain I've ever had. Wow. Then the worst thing is all the cops piled on top of me. They were all piling on top of me. And while they were doing that, she was biting me more. They were causing me more damage. Than, but do you remember the big, um, oh, Martin Bayfield, the big rugby player who does Sky? He played for lovely. England. Sounds lovely. Oh, Martin Bayfield, he's wonderful. He was my first PC when I was a uniform sergeant. Oh. And because I had to go back when you were a detective, you had to go on interchange, which means when you get promoted, you have to go to uniform. Hang on, he's a policeman and a rugby player. He was a policeman. This, this is what I'm looking for. Policeman. <laughs> he was a policeman but was playing for England wow. later, and now he's a Sky presenter. Wow. Anyway, Martin is back seven foot tall, yeah. and um, I was in the custody one day, and I'm on my typewriter, because back in the day, 1986, we used to type. Martin was my first PC, so I'm supervising him. <laughs> it does make me laugh. When I see him now, he's all grown up, and I think, oh, I have to try and boss you around. <laughs> anyway, and I had this prisoner, and this prisoner threw this typewriter at me while Martin Bayfield... Take him down, Martin. So I was really good, but Martin said, Take him down. Take him down. (laughs) Martin picked him up like a rag doll, just like that, and put him in the cell. I thought, Do you know what, Martin? When I got on patrol, mate, you're coming with me. And I used to go out with Martin. He would tuck me. I got a picture, and I was tucked under, honestly, just (laughs) under here, and his armpit, tucked under his armpit, because he was so tall. But I also remember saying to Martin back in the day, What do you want to be? Play rugby or be a policeman? And what I didn't know, he was going to play for England. You know, here's me saying, no, you can't go and play for this, can't do that. Of course, the very, very senior bosses were saying to him, you will be playing. And I had no idea how good he was. Oh. And now he bloody play for England. Yeah, he did leave the police in the end, but he was a brilliant cop. He oh. was a great cop, yeah. And so in all this time, you've also saved lives as yeah. well. Yeah. There's one particular time when you saved a man. Tell us about oh, the yeah. bridge. Well, what happened was, it was up in Piccadilly and... Um, Oh, I was thinking about Nick Ferrari screaming at me, particularly he's the guy from LBC who does new, news broadcasting 7 till 10 in the mornings. Bane of my life, Nick, love him dearly now. <laughs> but um, thinking that this guy was up near Eros on a big 
building and he was climbing up scaffolding. The was that by the lights? By no, the... by Eros up in Piccadilly yeah. Circus. Yeah, there was, the... I'm trying to think of the name of the um, big building next to it, not Whiteley's, what was it called? Carving the name of it. Oh, anyway. I know. Um, Lily White's. Lily White's, yeah. you yeah. got it. Lily yeah. White's, the anyway. Shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, to, uh, I just, you know, it's one of those things, it doesn't matter what it is to me, it's a building, yeah. I'm not getting off. So, oh, so he's climbing up the scaffold. So somebody called into you going, right, there's oh, the a police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get this call and yeah. you just... And then Pip and my sergeant, who was with me, who's had a baby, the baby's only nine months old, basically what's going to happen, he's up there trying to hang himself in the scaffolding. Oh. Traffic's coming to a standstill. I'm thinking, I know what I'm going to get in the morning. You've caused chaos in London. Because all these things go through your head. But actually, the most important thing is, that is someone's son. We've got to get him off that building. And if we can get him off without him killing himself yeah. and anyone else getting hurt... So I this thought it was such a big deal. I thought, well, it's not really. It's, it's not to you, no, but it is it's to not me. It's a big deal. So me and Pippa, and I'm thinking, Pippa says, I'll go up on the cherry picker. We've got the fire brigade out, cherry picker. I say to this guy, look, I'll go up on the cherry picker. Because not to be brave, mm. I don't like heights. But I thought, if I don't go on that cherry picker, and one of my children, three weeks before I retire, Pippa, who's like 30, with a little nine-month-old baby, yeah. if I went on... If I sent her up there and anything happened to her, yeah. uh, my, I couldn't look myself in the window in the mirror. Could not yeah. do it. So me and Pippa go up on the cherry picker. She's got the radio because they need restraints. So the fire brigade are going up, but they don't carry restraints. So me and Pippa go up with the fire brigade. But I am going to say this too, which I didn't tell anyone at the time. When he was lying there, we pinned him down with a fire. fire I love firemen. They love me. <laughs> pinned them down with a fireman. Although you're married to a police officer. I know, but the firemen are wonderful people. They <laughs> yeah. save life. They're yeah. amazing so people. So do you. What I are you know, talking about? Fireman, I love a fireman. Anyway, but they were all, they had all the tools to be on the scaffolding, you know, winched on. They could clip onto the scaffolding because me and Pippa couldn't. So they were equally worried about us and this bloke. And so I had his head, but I did say to him, if you try to get off this, there's no one going off this building and it ain't going to be me or her <laughs> and none of these firemen. But as it turned out... So I love that she... <laughs> we, pinned, we pinned him down. We put restraints on him, you know, because he's mentally ill. He's obviously mm. taking drugs or something. You know, that's the sad thing yeah. about it. He doesn't want to behave like that. He doesn't want to be like that. So sad. But then the firemen, you know what they like? They like to bash a window in. And I'm thinking cost... And they say, right, we'll put that window in. Do you have to think about the cost then? If well, I'm thinking it's damaged. Also, it? because if, if we damage the windows to get in through the window, why, and the mess that would cause, and yeah. more likely people can get injured. So I said to the fire brigade, we couldn't get all the key holder, so we couldn't open the windows. So if you think we're on, like, high up in this building, we can't take him back down on the cherry picker, can't get him off, he's up now kind of pinned down. And we've got him on this kind of bit of wooden thing, slap to get him out. So what we thought would be a good idea is take the window frame out wholly, and then we can push him through the window and take him out down the lift because we couldn't get hold of the key holder. You can never get hold of the key holder in London. Anyway, so we did all this, and then what they did, they undid all the window, amazing, and took the whole of the window out whole. Wow. And once we'd done that and got him in, guess what? What? Key holder turned up. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> But we got him out and he went away and, you know, he was And detained. you saved his life. But I, I, I thought it was a bridge. Sorry, I didn't realise no, it was a No, no, it's on a Piccadilly. It's like, it's like but, in the middle of central London. Yeah. yeah. I did get a telling off, though. From who? By the top, top chief man, fireman who came along, fire officer, officer, whatever his name yeah. was, said to me, that was breaching health and safety. You weren't clipped on up there. I'm like, so that's what I'm talking about, breaking rules. Yeah. That kind of, yeah. you know, when you think, well, do you know what? I've made an assessment. I'm not going off that. I'm not yeah. going to go off that. But you could I'm, have done 
well, you could have done yeah. it, but I'll tell you what wasn't going to happen. Pippa wasn't going to go off that with a little yeah. nine-month-old. And if anyone, I'd have rather gone off myself than her. So, yeah. And also, I am at that age where I was thinking, do you know what? I'm probably a bit more sensible than I was when I was 20 years yeah, old. So yeah. a bit more measured. So, so yeah. you've, you've set, you've, um, I think it's over, how many people? Over a thousand convictions to, yeah. to your name. I think. Um, yeah, so you've sort of helped a lot of yeah, but people. been around a long time, 33 and a half years. <laughs> you'd yeah. think I would, wouldn't you? Yeah. What, but, you get, what do I get paid for? <laughs> yeah, true, true. But, no. it, but I just imagine how hard you would have worked to... I did work to, hard. Yeah, I never to, sick. I'm seven days sick in 30 no, years. No, from no, you. No, four days having given birth to my son, I appeared on a promotion board, you know, back in the day. Can you imagine that happening now, no. 1992? Because yeah. he came early, Ryan popped out early. Early. I'll never forget the board when I'm sitting there four days having given birth he came on the Thursday and I appeared on the board on the Monday with a brand new baby wow. and I'll never forget Dave Parkinson and there was Ginger O'Connor and there was one other who the three of them were sitting there and uh, and one of them said something to me oh are you comfortable I said well you wouldn't be if you had stitches when I've got them anyway <laughs> I think that's probably why they promoted me I should think four days you're a birth. strong lady no, but, uh, so since then um you've uh, you've been um a resident crime expert on this morning oh yeah so they, they call you in and and the, uh, other programs like morning britain yeah, yeah what have you and recently uh you've been the governor on um sky one hit the heist yeah uh, i've I just watched that this morning and you are so scary I love it there's one bit where you go I don't care nick them like that and I can imagine that's how you were for the whole the whole of your 33 years um you did you did well I wasn't you... a fence sitter Bronwyn uh, no, that yeah, way. I was no. never a fence sitter no that's good and I was so happy. when you decided you're going for them you you would get them yeah and also I think what you know the people who've worked for me would say I made decisions I was never frightened to sit back and read a book or write an email I might actually say yeah. just go and do it yeah yeah. Let's just do it. But that's what you need for yeah. somebody who's and doing your I job. I can't stand wishy-washy people who sit on the fence. No. sitters get splinters. No. Yeah. It's just fear. That's all they're doing it for. Yeah. They don't want to upset anyone. Oh, no. Just, yeah, you don't no, give no. a shit, do you? No, no. no it's, but if you're doing the right thing for you're the right reason. What, yeah. But also... I'm, you are Luther, see? No, no. But I also think... I look at a lot of people and I think there are some people who who, you know, I see very high profile in the media, who've gone out and stress, who've got this, got that, left the service early. Some of those people got promoted too quick. Yeah. And they wanted to have all the ambition, what, but not the experience. And what happens is they got promoted too quickly. And then they, you know, the higher you are, the more you fall. So yeah. why not learn? I did a long time in every rank. Yeah. Both in a specialism, in all of those different, all places, of those different yeah. 33 years. And, you know? and the, we didn't say the flying squad as well. You were in the flying squad yeah. when we were at Westminster with all the smashing grounds. That's when we had a kind of big mutual kind of partnership with the local retail and the New West End Company. We were supported with both financially, with resources, with people to try and bring that and make that under control. Bear in mind, we've got our, our iconic streets up in the West End, you know, huge industry in the West End. And being hit by all these mopeds smashing ground. So we did an operation, the first operation we called the Flying Squad. So I'd sit there with all these lovely men from the Flying Squad and direct what we were going to do. But I can honestly say, I have never experienced what people back in the day, prime suspect, all this sexism, all this, oh, it's because you're a woman. Never, never. Maybe back in the day, you know, yeah. in the early 80s, you know, people, I used to have a bloke in my office puts a penis on my desk but when he got slammed with a book he soon put that away <laughs> yeah. but I never really I can honestly say you know I, I, I think when I reached a very senior rank at superintendent um, I got put on gardening leave for bullying a six foot two man which I really
really, really, it's my proudest moment because he was someone who didn't come to work, didn't work hard enough and took him on. And so then he made a complaint about me. But luckily, he withdrew it and I went back and I mm-hmm. said to him, if you thought I was bullying you before, you've seen nothing yet. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. I've just seen those eyes—the <laughs> scary eyes. I've just seen them. But I, you know, I, and I was direct. But I absolutely loved my job. I gave it my all. And sometimes I look back now, you know, with my children, I think they have had to suffer along the way because there were times where I couldn't get away. You know, I I missed. I was at court. Or I missed something at school. Or I and I talk to them about it now. So to every working mother out there, that, you know, when that guilt you feel. Let me tell you, I say to my daughter's son, and they have got no recollection at all that I missed anything. No. And I said, I did. But the one thing is now, I think, as they get older, you know, I talk about things now. And Ellie was saying to me the other day, Mum, you are a bit of a legend with my mates. They all call yeah. you big, scary <laughs> soon. Yeah. Well, so they're proud of funny. you. They're yeah, like, you weren't sitting at home, you were doing something yeah. Yeah. I could never have done that. No. And I, I kind of think my daughter will never be that. See the daughter, you see the mother. Yeah. And exactly. I could never be that person. I say to Ellie, I wish I could have gone part time. I wish I could have done, but back in the day, you couldn't do part-time. You can now. You've got flexible working. I couldn't have done that. You know, when I was the DI, you know, I did that Law Women documentary and BBC One followed me for, you know, four or five months. And there was Ellie and Ellie keeps saying to me, oh, I wish you could find that. I'd really like to show everyone when I was a little baby when I featured in that programme. So it's funny, my daughter's got into law enforcement as well. Um, She works in a prison and uh, she's a chip off the old block. And no doubt, you know... A friend of hers was raped, and I'll tell you what, she stepped up, Ellie. She went to Crown Court, and I watched her give in evidence, and she put someone away who rightly should be put away. And I thought, you know what, don't crumble, stand up to be counted, and oh, she God. did. Well, so if, I thought, if I'm ever in the shit, I know to come and knock on your door get you to help me. If, you, if anyone wants to see Sue doing her thing, watch the heist on Sky One, because uh, you will see her shouting things like, I don't care, Nicky, um, uh, and stuff like that. How was that for you, filming that? Oh, do you know what? When I look back now, it was... I did it because I'm I'm a great believer. I've had an amazing career. And to finish that and then to go along and do La La Land TV, yeah. which I think is not real, is it? It's just <laughs> fantastic. And when they pick me up in a car and I get taken by hair and makeup and they paid me as well to sit opposite Philip and... Holly, yeah. oh my God, it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then we go for a drink with, you know, Steve Mohern, yourself and yeah. Linny and everybody else. And Sharon. It was like, I was in La La Land. Yeah, it's one big family. And it? then it was one, just joy. And it's not real. Have you been interviewed on this morning about the heist? No, 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 no. no you no, will no. be, I'm sure. If I hope oh. there'll, there'll be more. Oh, I'd and, love uh, to, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go home and watch it with my children tonight. Yeah. Cause I can't believe you haven't watched it. You're no, I've watched here. it. I've watched it, but I haven't shown them. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, and I want them to see it. I'll say, oh, you're obviously this lady today. You've got to see how scary she is. But the thing is, again, with that about the heist, there are a couple of things which I try to explain to the people, you know, who run the heist and Sky, that when you've got a prisoner in front of you who is actually telling you everything, then... You know, as a police officer, what you don't do is get in their face because you want them to tell you everything yeah. they've got. So yeah. when you see me being really nice, you know, I've stroked paedophiles' arms. I've been nice to murderers. Yeah. Because what you want at the end of the day is to have that rapport where they will tell you everything. Because yeah. the beautiful thing is, if they give you all that evidence, and then what it means is the victim never has to go to court, and that's what you want. You never want your victim to have to go through a not guilty plea. What you want, particularly rape, child abuse, anything like that, vulnerable victims, 
if you can get your your suspect, and I'm sure over the years I just bored everyone to death because anyone listening to this will know I never stop talking. That's why I wanted you to do it. <laughs> I love that you never stop talking. I could talk for hours. Yeah, so many stories. But it's so interesting every time I see you. That's why I love it. Yeah, but I just think things come back. I can't remember people's names from yesterday. Yeah, but we talk about jobs that come back. There yeah. are so many, and then well, you've you got know, so many stories. It's amazing. And there are. It, it's funny when I did a Radio Four interview, and um, they interviewed loads of women, senior women, and. Um, and then they interviewed me and I was talking and when we talk about emotion, how you're really strong, there was one case, a little boy called Dominic, who was two years old and uh, he'd been punched to death by mum's cohab. And this little boy was on the child protection register, which means that he's at risk, you know, it should have been monitored and you could only monitor and I'm not having a go at social workers. They do an incredible job in difficult circumstances with no resources, really hard. This little boy's on the at-risk register. His mum goes out to charge a key out key up, you know, the electric key, and he's in a flat, dark, cold flat, and her cohab boyfriend, this little boy starts crying, and he beat him so oh. badly, his fist marks were in his liver, this little boy, Oh my and God. you know what, that was hard enough, and I got the phone call, and um, to say, you need to come and interview this woman, so we, we um, the chief superintendent, tech chief superintendent, wanted me to deal with the woman, and because it was risky, he's on the child protection uh, register, so it's going to be high, you know, kind of high profile. Anyway, so when I went in to see that mother the next day in the cell, do you know what she said? No. Have you got any marmalade for my toast? How I never punched her lights out is beyond me. And having seen that little boy, and there are some things, it's not his body, it wasn't the post-mortem that stays with me, but his little elephantine boots, when you go to the scene, his little boots were by the door. That little boy would be now 27 years old, same age as my son. And his little boots. And when I think about those little boots, like now you think, what a wasted life. That poor little kid, he could have had a life. But the man that killed him will be out and about now, probably, you know, having another five children. disgusting, isn't it? Not that I'm bitter and twisted about these people. But but no, but and just makes me sad. Yeah, there's you feeling, though, isn't it? And of course, you know, there are things that are buried that you think, it's only when you talk about them, but there are certain cases that just stay with you, that, you know, you just know. And, And if you are someone that doesn't get moved, by seeing a little boy's little pair of boots and he should be alive but he's been beaten to death because all he did was cry out in the cold because yeah. it was cold disgusting. and it was dark and it was scary and he was beaten to a pulp um, and then his mother says have you got any marmalade for my toast? I mean, they realise what, what... I remember saying to the jury because they accused me of did you bully her and you slapped her into giving her this admission I said no I'm going to be honest with you but I would have I wish I had, yeah, yeah. But they, all those if I make you talk more, you're going to relive a lot of horrible stories. I feel bad that I'm making you no, 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 say no, 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 these no, 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 things. No, 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 no. I'm what I'm trying to say to you, I'm trying to go along with, you know, I still think I've got my, you know, I've got a good sense of humour, I've got compassion. You bloody have, you're I've, adorable. I've seen a lot of terrible things, but what I'm saying to you, most cops are like me, and what you don't see and what we don't hear enough is the human side of police. Yeah. Police officers are just people like you and I, chosen to do a difficult job on, you know, poorly paid. Because I was offered loads of jobs during the course of my career. But I think I wouldn't change a minute because I I wouldn't, you know, I can look back with great pride about what I did. And I met my adorable husband. Yes. On the job. On the job. 
Julian, who we talked about at the beginning, yeah. tell me more about well, how this all came about. Well, but we met, we were working together. You were his boss. Actually. I was his boss, yes. the murder command, actually. Yeah. He was a DCI and a superintendent, but nobody knew that I was his boss. Obviously, professionally, you keep that very separately. And uh, and then, you know, he was amazing. He's so different to me. So you were friends for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah worked yeah. together for a yeah, long yeah, time. Yeah. And then... Uh, years later you fell in love yes uh, well no I think I probably fell in love with him when I met him the first time oh journey. right okay but anyway very yeah, nice he's lovely. Just met him. he's lovely yeah. and he is I often think if I'd have met him many many more years ago um you know maybe I would have been in a different place I would have been in a different zone but we met at the right time I think and we have four wonderful grown-up children who are all you know credit to us and we adore them and you know, we've got a great life together. Yeah. But Julian is much more, he's more um, focused, he's brilliant on paper. And I was so glad because when I was reviewing a murder, I reviewed his murder and he said, oh, don't worry, because he's really good on the internet, he's really good at IT, he's really good at everything. And he produced this package and I showed the murder review team. I said, they said, you didn't do that review, so you did you? <laughs> And I've no. done my own, but that's his. Yeah, but you so bring no, you... each other's strength. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but he is much more detailed and brilliant on paper and can write reports, whereas I probably have different strengths. But together, we probably really complemented each other because he was very, very much more focused and detailed than I am. I'm much more of a, oh, just do it. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just get it done. I don't need an email. Yeah. I don't need a report. You've told me. You don't like do tech it. much, do you? I, well, I don't mind tech, but I just think we rely on it so mm. We have to rely on it. I just think... You're a people person. I like to talk to people. Yeah. I pick the phone up. It's funny, mind the eyes. I'd always ring them or text them and say, I haven't seen you this week. You know, you're still my favourite kiss. You know, yeah. have a laugh with them. We had a relationship. I built relationships with people and they're still in my life now. In fact, tomorrow afternoon... I'm meeting a load of my little girlies. I call them my little girlies because to me, that's what they were. They work for me. Yeah, they're grown women, but they're a lot younger than me. And I love to meet up with them, see how they're getting on, and yeah. we have a wine together, and they still contact me about their problems. And I think, and you're still helping people, oh, still and you them. also um, do something for charity as well. Right? Yeah, I do women um, the bike ride. Oh, well, over a few glasses of wine a few years ago, never ridden a bike. And me and my mate Helen Lassett, Northerner, I love Northerners. <laughs> sure, we could do that, Hilly. Why don't we do it? You know, you have a few drinks. Yeah, great yeah. idea. Do yeah. that ride through the night. Ride from Windsor to London, London to Windsor, and we'll raise money for women's cancer. Oh, that's good. But do you know what? I'd say to any woman, that camaraderie, it doesn't matter if you haven't trained. You get on that bike, yeah. and when you see people, and like today, you know, Jade, who's a lovely cop at Hounslow, um, she's got cancer. She's got breast cancer. My friend Suzanne Wallace, who was a superintendent, she's terminally ill with breast cancer. And when I think about them, when I'm on my bike, when I ride my bike, and last year, or sorry, last year, or this year, sorry, I couldn't do it because I was doing the heist. But this May, I'm doing it, and I'm hoping to do it with the heist girlies. And they raise millions for women's cancer. Oh, that's good. I mean, so if just, anyone wants to donate, just, I can yeah. find, yes, find you where. Well, yes. Just, um, well, it's, well I'll, I'll actually put it up on my Facebook. Yes. Right, okay. right. But I don't want yeah. to ask people because what we did this year, we did a big afternoon tea, our team, and we had 
Prosecco and everything else. We, I think Lynn was there as well and other girlfriends, and we raised about £7,500. So that was just an afternoon. That's Lynn, who is your best friend, Lynn who's Evans. sat in the room. Yeah. Who, uh, a well known makeup artist. Oh, she did my makeup at the wedding as well. Oh, did she? Yeah, she, she did. did my makeup. She's done a lot of famous people's yes, makeup. Yes, she has. And so. if she can do famous people, she can do me. <laughs> and people say, actually, oh my God, that's the best you ever looked on your wedding day. Is it? That is so true. Oh my God, everyone says that. So because when you've got a professional doing it they can do anything yeah, can't they right. they can make you look good Aww. and, and that's how you became friends yeah and that on this morning yeah. Yeah. yeah and of course the beauty was Lynn and I would go for a drink after this morning and I probably everything I earned I spent on drinking yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I met us all two days together go for lunch and drinks laughing and drink <laughs> and then Sharon Marshall and Petri and yeah. Dr. Dawn all yeah. those great it's people it's a I lovely met. team it's and a great team I of feel people. quite honoured that we've all um, got to and stayed in contact yeah you know when I think Carl Newton and Darren Henson who got me on that you know when I left the police and my interview I went and saw them at ITV and I didn't realise he was like God executive producer or whatever he was and uh, and Carl says to me oh uh, this morning oh do you want a cup of coffee or is it too early for a glass of wine I went you joking it's never too early for a glass of wine <laughs> so we went to the pub next door and I think I bought the wine and he was like, oh, oh. I was telling him a few stories and I got the job. I yeah. know, see, that's it, you win it all I'll never forget when I first met you, when you were this big chief and superintendent, I can't say that bloody word. Chief superintendent. Yeah, what is it, DCS? DCS. Yeah, easy, easy to say. And you weren't at all what we thought you were going to be. You're just like, hello, love, you know, come over here. And, and you're so warm. And I just fell in love with you. Oh, like everyone does. You. Well, I'm not sure about that. I'm sure there are people out there that. Well, there's probably that, a few. And when you know, I think that I was always pretty fair, but yeah. I'm sure there are people that you know, and not only that, and there may have been people over the years that I would continue to challenge if they at the end of the day, I truly believe you know, as a public servant, we yeah. work for work for the taxpayer. I gave it my all because I was in a job that's given me a great deal. And not only, you know, dealing with fantastic people or dealing with wonderful members of the public, because I do think you need to remember. 99% of the public are fantastic. They I are love decent that. That's people. the best thing you said. But I love true. it. It, it is true. And that's true. why you're so lovely, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it is true. 99% of people are lovely. Yeah, and we, you know, when people are drunk, they have their off days and yeah. they do stupid things. But by and large, people are wonderful people. And even some of the naughty people I've met, the bad ones, you know, they can grow out with that. Yeah. You know, they've made they've silly mistakes. Nice you know, or they made mistakes when they were youngsters. Mm. But I, and I, so I do believe that they can come good rehabilitation. Oh, you do? That's good. Oh, of course yeah. you yeah. do. What I don't believe is people who are, you know, knife carrying, murdering, you know, then, no, you do then, you face the consequences. Yeah. You commit that kind of crime. You've got no choice. You've got no human rights. You should be locked up and fed on bread and dripping. Don't even go there. And there are many people I feel strongly about that, yeah. that I do feel, people I've dealt with murderers, I think, I've seen families, victims, yeah. you know, I, I name so many of them and you meet their families, you think they have to live with that trauma every day and yet you're sitting having three meals a day. You can watch telly and you can go to the gym and you're in prison. That's not enough for me. Yeah. But anyway, yes, that's it. I shouldn't, I get a bit emotional <laughs> no, about I know, this. I love it. I love I it. Do think, and that's what's yeah. given you for all this time. Well, it and... has. And I think victims of crime, you think, yeah. I want to do it for your family. If that was mine, I'd want you to have the same response. And oh, I'm thank sure. you for doing it for all that time. Well, and not me, but lots of other and cops the, that are out there. Me, I mean, exactly. Sometimes, don't forget... You, you might listen to me now, but those cops that are out there are real people like me, and you just don't get to see that side of them. Yeah. They have families, they have worries, they have everything else going on. And, of course, they're going to make mistakes. If you I, never I'm do a anything. bit scared of 
properly. So you've kind of made me see a bit of more of a human side of it. Next time I drive past, I won't be so insane. I'll smile and think, oh, that's someone's son or that that person might care about me. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes I I watched a programme recently and there was a traffic officer who, and it was one of these, you know, traffic policey things, but when you were watching him and he was a bit abrupt with members of the public were speeding, what you didn't know is that the day before he's probably scraped a body off the floor mm. because of, there was a, someone driving at speed. Mm. And you cannot tell me that doesn't follow through. Yeah. So just sometimes think, I wonder why he spoke to me yeah. like that. I wonder why they're indignant about making sure we breathalyse mm. people. I wonder why, you it's know, when they about, challenge me. Yeah. Because actually you don't know what, what they've seen, and um, you know, the horrors that they've seen on motorways or yeah. driving and traffic police. They are an it's amazing tough. bunch of people. It's really tough. Yeah. And you, we're all human. We all have a bad day, don't yeah. we? And, and you are one of the most amazing people. Honestly, I'm so glad you've done this. Thank you so much. Oh, can we give me a chance to make you cry? <laughs> no, well, you won't make me cry. I just oh. think it's funny. I could talk forever. Like. <laughs> and I do. Thank you, Sue Hill. Your good energy is contagious. And thank you on behalf of all the people you have helped. That's it for now. Love you for listening. And don't forget to show love. Thank you to Ollie Trevers and Danny Wright for their music. Thank you to Alex McArdle for sound and editing. Please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or whatever you listen to podcasts on. Or please get in touch at Show Love UK on Twitter and Instagram or Show Love UK and Show Love Podcast on Facebook. Thank you. I'll start it and then it all turn back in bed Reminisce instead Let's plan it all in my head Procrastination Self-stimulation Instant gratification I'm self-medicating Therapist recommending Meditating, wasted education. I need more admiration, and I, I don't wanna bother with today. I pretty much missed it anyway. Might as well stay, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't wanna bother with today. I pretty much missed it anyway.
Yeah.